0: I'm not like them, I can pretend,
1: I think I'm dumb, maybe just not. Dumb. All right, what's up everyone? Uh, this is Q&A recording live <laughs> from various locations.
0: Yeah, we've got a special guest in the house. Uh, David M mm-hmm. uh, aka Comrade Doom. Yep. Welcome. Um, <laughs> Good to be David here. Is, yeah, thank you for joining us and just uh, as a little intro, I don't I don't know you can uh introduce yourself in any way you want, but I just um know you. I've followed you for a while now and you're uh, one of these uh kind of disreputable um you know, mentally Unstable people that goes over. <laughs> they don't really trust the experts, and they kind of tend to do their own research and all those things that you're not supposed to do. And the kinds of people that we like to have
1: on our show. So
0: yeah, welcome and, and thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, just to be a total Twitter person, he's at Comrade Doom One yep. C and D cop, uh, capitalized. Go ahead and give us any uh, any intro you'd like to give. We don't we don't force an intro, but if you'd like to give one, you're welcome to give one.
2: Um. Yeah. So I'm just. Uh, I guess the term now is. Uh, uh, Gender critical, homosexual, COVID <laughs> skeptic, um, former leftist. Uh, yeah, former leftist who. Um, well, until recently, I still called myself a leftist, but really sort of broke with uh, with COVID uh, and the COVID response and came to see the system a lot differently than I did previously.
1: Can we or can we not call you a faggot on the pod? <laughs>
2: That's fine with me. That's fine. Okay, with
1: me. <laughs> good. I, I self-identify as a faggot, a fa- so a I, fag- just, yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it would be okay. You admit you're admitted homosexual, so
2: correct. Yep. High faggotry. Um, <laughs> high faggotry. <laughs> so. Well, great.
1: You sound like the exact type of person we typically have on here. Um, <laughs> everyone knows A and I are. L- long-time libtards who switched, switched sides during COVID.
2: So. Yeah, okay. And yeah, can so. I ask... Because we just all started following each other in the past month or so. How far... Just curious. Like, how far on the left would you put yourselves? Had, had you been in the past? Like, the like far before. left? Yeah, yeah.
0: Why don't you answer that first day? Yeah. Um, I don't... Like, I guess... I, I was... I I mean okay, so I was like basically a Bernie bro before okay. you know COVID. Um, but like I was always like I guess kind of more on the like materialist or like class kind of oriented thing. So I always had issues with some of the like social justice warrior kind of woke stuff and mm-hmm. um would even like argue with people about stuff like that. So I, I always had, I I mean, and like, this is kind of like stupid or whatever, but like I used to, when I was in high school, I'd say like, that's gay or whatever. And then other people would be like, Oh, you can't say that. And <laughs> like, eventually I stopped, but I was like, what, like why it's just stupid. I'm not like actually like hurting anyone by saying that. I don't know. Anyways. So that was kind of, it was like, I was definitely like leftist, whatever, like, smash the system but like not fully on board with all the like dogma or whatever <laughs>
2: sure
1: yeah so i was a little different than a um i grew up in like a kind of a dirt bag family in texas um so i, I went into college very not pc but was quickly re-educated by (laughs) the liberal arts system and bought in really quickly to the oppression Olympics, um, thing. Um, so I became, I actually majored in English and feminist studies and
2: I I know
1: hardcore, (laughs) hardcore. Uh I've joked around in the pod before, but it's, it's not a joke. It's, it's true. I was, into some like sort of eco terrorism groups, and like right. was really into the left, and definitely so aspiring eco terrorist. Aspiring, I did, I did nothing. I I like truly did nothing, but I really wanted some like ass and dick. So I hung out with some guys who were really into that shit. Um, but truly, truly didn't. Nothing. I, I wish I could claim I did something cool, but I didn't. So if the CIA is listening, you know, no worries. No Nothing worries. Over interesting. Here. Nothing interesting. Um, And I stayed pr- uh, pretty much in that uh, cohort. And then unlike A, I morphed into sort of a Hillary Clinton mm. um, lib because I was a feminist capital F mm, and okay. I thought that the, I thought the Bernie bros were super sexist. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of calling out instead of calling in, I must say <laughs> um, of the Bernie bros, um, letting them know they're, they were sexist. Um, and I didn't have a, a real turnaround until Essentially, COVID. I would say. I mean, I had some like doubts earlier on. Like, I remember the one a big thing for me, which will David will talk about this in a minute, is like uh, a gender doubt. Was when mm-hmm. Chimamanda Adichie, who I really admire, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work. Yeah, Nigerian
2: novelist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Nigerian yeah, yeah. novelist, gor- gorgeous,
1: gorgeous, um, gorgeous writer uh, of genius. I would say unequivocally a genius. i am sure read her,
2: but I know her.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel confident saying she's a genius. I don't consider myself a genius, but I think she is. <laughs> um, you know she, it when you see it. You know it when you see it, yeah. And she said in an interview, probably 2018, 2019, she said something like, trans women are trans women. And Mm -hmm. the interviewer asked her, what do you mean by that? And she's like, I just don't think they have the same experience as cis women. And I asked a lot of my feminist uh, female friends about that, and they were like, well, what she said is obviously technically true, right? Like, they they Mm -hmm. don't have the same experience that we had growing up. They don't understand... The hypersexualization that comes at like twelve, and like the struggles of <laughs> you know being, soup like being fertile at this like childlike age, and the way grown men you know like they they don't get that they have no idea what that's like. But we think she's a transphobic bigot, and okay. I was just like I was like huh, I was like weird. You guys can hold these these two truths yeah. um so that was my gender critical awakening and then obviously covid woke me up to kind of like the me- the pre the medical industrial complex up. sure but, um we'd love to hear kind of your background too
2: okay so how much detail okay so I we're all about the same age right we're all in our 30s is that, yeah oh, is that, is that okay there I'm 34 i okay. I've
1: aged boxed on here before so I'm 34 okay
2: okay I, yeah, so I'm—I'm. I'm, I guess I'm a little. older. I'm 36, and
1: okay.
2: Um, so for me, I mean, coming to political awareness during the war on terror, and I mean, I think that's what moved me to the left as a teenager. And I mean, I've—I've I've been on the far left in various ways, off and on, up to COVID. I lived in a anarchist commune. Uh, when I was young, uh, more, more
1: hardcore than me. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I
2: got arrested. Um, I was like
1: a—I mean, I wasn't <laughs> exactly
2: a Christian, but I, have you heard of the Catholic Worker movement? It was like
1: this. I have. I yes, have, yeah. I was.
2: I lived in a Catholic Worker house um, for a couple oh. years in my in my youth, um, and so very much an anarchist kind of background, which I think was kind of distinct from sort of like the college left in that it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as focused on, I mean, I just remember even when I was, I went to a liberal arts school as well. And, and just going to like the, the gay resource center there, this was before trans was really a thing. I mean, it was a thing, but it wasn't a social contagion in the same way. Introducing your pronouns was still a very new and kind of avant-garde practice um, but then, just feeling how exhausting identity politics was, you know, of just like having to um, claim some kind of victim status in order to speak, and I think that was still very much. I mean, half a generation ago, or whenever this was, it, that was that was already there, you know, um, of having to claim an identity. In order to get taken seriously. And so I, I was always sort of turned off by that. And the Catholic worker was sort of an alternative um space on the left for that. And then um I was sort of apolitical for many years, moved to San Francisco, just lived in, living it up, mm. faggot in paradise, etc. Um <laughs> and then uh Trump was elected. I admit I kind of freaked out like a lib. You know, it was like yeah. "Uh, fa- fascism is here. And then I, so I started, I started reading again. Wait, back
1: up for a second. Were yeah. you like a, were you like a, were you like a whore faggot in San Francisco?
2: <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Like, are, was I literally I don't know. A were you like,
1: a, I don't know, not a, not a prostitute, but like <laughs> our listeners will want to know, were you like a, Were you like a hookup culture guy or were you like a, like a serial monogamous guy?
2: Okay. Do you know the radical fairies? Do you know about them? Oh my
1: God, (laughs) David (laughs) radical fairies, everyone. We have, we have some radical fairies listeners. I do know them. Yeah. Our listeners definitely know them too. The side, the the side of the listeners that a ignores, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Our listeners know them. Okay. So I love all of you. Were you kind of in? Were you kind of in that?
2: Yeah, I mean that's actually. So the, I was actually living in the Midwest and like restless in my early twenties, like I was twenty three or something. And I I went to a radical fairy gathering. Were
1: you Tennessee. going to like short? Were you going to like short, short mountain? Short mountain, short mountain. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> listeners, listeners, get ready! David's <laughs> coming in. He was at Short Mountain, babes. And uh, yeah, so I went from like the Catholic <laughs> worker to Short Mountain.
2: So it was, uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And I met a, I met a guy there and I mean, it was a short lived, uh, well, less like a year. I had this sort of whirlwind thing with an artist, San Francisco artist I met at Short Mountain and then I moved to San Francisco, uh, sort of to be with him. It didn't last, but it got me to the city and, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Our our faggot listeners need that. So yeah. So you you were wow. I mean that's a, <laughs> that's 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 left. You were a short mountain gay. So
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Short mountain gay, which was very well. I don't know. So I haven't been with the fairies for a while because eventually, no offense to any fairy listeners, but they're really big on. I'm not a big weed smoker to be honest, and it seemed like that was like a big
1: focus. Uh, was just like smoking a lot of pot, and that was uh, well i also I also know, even though a is literally getting, getting stoned right now. <laughs> um I also know that a lot of radical fairies um from what I know from uh, fairy friends that have gone in recent years, they're the identity politics is out of control there like they're kind of like the white I don't know if you david is maybe you were like way before this, but. I've heard like the 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 white people have to do all the cleaning and the cooking. Oh and God! I,
2: I... Oh, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that when I was,
1: there. was uh, <laughs> like I've 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 heard some stories of like if you're a queer POC, you'd like you're like kind of off the hook, but if you're white, you got to do all the manual labor and shit but you weren't in that version No,
2: I thought they were very sweet. I mean they were very sweet. They would smoke weed and do yoga. Um, and I'm um and uh, have sex with each other and that was it that was still
1: Yeah, no, it was. And then so Did you come did you like come in the Maypole ceremony? Like I've heard about this like Maypole ceremony yeah, where yeah, everyone yeah. like and people like jack off into the Maypole pit. Or whatever.
2: Um, no, yeah, I went on. Uh, what's that called? On May Day, which is the pagan holiday. In uh, yeah, this been yeah, like 2010. This is what brought me to San Francisco. Um, no, there was public sex, though. I mean,
1: there's a lot of sex at fairy gatherings. Oh my god, a pagan. Okay, sorry, sorry for making you feel dirty. Can details.
0: you can you move your mic slightly away from your face? Is this better? because yeah, it's just a
1: bit. Yeah, it's kind of. Is this better for you? I
0: yeah, I think it's better <laughs> for me. It.
1: All right, sorry for making you spill all the dirty details, David. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just yeah. I just I know a lot about fairy gatherings, and I was like, I want to know the the deep, how deep, how deep you were in it. But okay, Did, have you, you gone, get, gone
2: you get, you get, to short Mountain?
1: I have not gone you to not gone Mountain. I think it's still
2: there. I mean, you could still go. I think.
1: I'm. I'm sure I'm like persona non grata there. I mean, the, the, none of them, I guess, know who I really am. But I know enough people who go. Um, I'm sure I would not fit in at this point. And I'm, I'm a monogamous gay Catholic. You know, like.
2: Oh, you're Catholic too. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, so I think okay. my I think my vibe would be very.
2: Uh... Not necessarily, though. I mean, the way. I <laughs> The way so okay another thing so I wrote that um, tablet piece and yes, I mentioned a, yeah so I mentioned in that piece like knowing the radical uh, I don't know what to call them what they were called back then tra's trans activists back in like early two thousand tens and actually what I remember about that scene it was very different from the fairy scene like the fairy scene was not super political I mean they were just like if you asked them their politics they were just whatever basic libtar democrats or whatever but that was not like the focus they were not super uptight about it they weren't they weren't having a you know getting their panties in a wad about bigotry all the time that wasn't their thing at all they were just very relaxed so i have nothing but uh positive things to say about the fairies here
1: Yeah. Yeah, No, I don't. I'm not trying to get you to to offend the fairies. I just know. I just know. I just know so many people who go to Short Mountain. So I was just like genuinely curious about what your experiences of there. But it sounds like you had a pretty typical. I mean, I will say now that. We don't have to get into this because yeah. I, I, I I haven't been there, so I can't possibly speak to it from a personal experience. But I know now it's like hyper woke. But anyway, keep going okay. on your journey. You can move. You can move past the fairies now. Can- oh yeah,
2: right, right. So the fairies, and then uh, <laughs> what else was I doing? Okay, so then yeah, most of the time. Um, so yeah you, I got had- to
1: San, you got to San Francisco. That's where you right. left off. Okay, you I got, got to San there.
2: Francisco. And this is the part um, I wrote about a little bit in the tablet piece. i just I had my best friend the first few years in San Francisco. Do you guys know about
1: Act Up? Act yes, Up was sort of I do. A probably doesn't, but I do. Aids no.
2: Coalition to Unleash Power, I think is what it technically stood for. And Act Up was this like militant group that was um, demanding i guess what were the demands the demands were like uh they were going to remove aids stigma so all these people were dying of aids in the late 80s 90s and they were demanding like more research into aids and uh treatments and uh the interesting thing which i'm just kind of coming to realize this now is that in Mm -hmm. some ways act up ended up I think it was sort of pioneered the idea of left-wing activism uniting with the pharmaceutical industry, honestly. Yeah,
0: interesting, yeah. Interesting, yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. A lo-
1: I'm going to be honest, David, a lot of our listeners don't think AIDS is real. So we're coming at it from that. <laughs> the Duisburg I-
2: thesis? The Duisberg thesis? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. We're, de- we're, yeah.
1: Definitely, we're definitely in that contingent of Twitter. But yeah, I agree. I, I agree that was a time of a great uniting of LGBTQ lgbt and pharmaceutical
2: mm-hmm. uh, i mean the industry. first ever uh, aids drug azt was i don't have the exact details but it was um the shortest fda trials ever and it was this highly toxic thing i mean it works by like stopping cells from reproducing so it's very dangerous but it was it was passed because of political pressure i mean people were desperate you know everyone was dying they thought they needed something, but you can see how that maybe set a bad precedent of like approving drugs, handing out pharmace- highly toxic, dangerous pharmaceuticals because of political pressure, right? You could see why there might be an issue there, if that's the way. Yeah, I think it was, it was yeah.
0: originally developed as like a chemotherapy drug, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: As is a uh, puberty blockers were developed for cancer too
0: um which i think of, Same. i
2: think of act up and then you see of like uh this is maybe mm-hmm. getting ahead but uh like mermaids <laughs> like these these organizations that are like demanding puberty blockers on demands for quote-unquote trans kids and i think you can kind of see a lineage there i mean mm-hmm. not to well then and they were act giving up,
0: azt but... to like the, like infants right whose mom mothers or had aids and they or whatever and they were So it would be like giving this intense like chemo drug to like infants and then they would obviously like not really do very well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, there were. I don't know. So, okay, I've looked into the AIDS HIV question and I would say I take. No position. Like I've looked into it. I can't I can't figure it out. There's something really strange about uh, uh. there's like weird holes in the mainstream narrative. I'm not ready to say that Duisberg is right.
1: I don't uh, know uh. the answer. But um yeah. All right. But you're like, listen guys, he's he's guys and gals. He's he's in on the <laughs> he's in on the reading. He's, yeah, you're he's, certainly
0: well versed in the He's, he's done, done the reading.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I read Duisburg's book. It's hard to get a copy of, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was able to find a PDF. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so so Act Up, you know, Act Up was like this super, but they had a conception of themselves, even though they sort of united with the pharmaceutical industry, which you know, what bigger power is that? They still had this self-conception as being these super radical you know anarchist whatever group that was fighting the establishments which i think there's a parallel there with uh contemporary trans activism you know this this radical image that sort of hides a an alliance with the pharmaceutical industry Definitely. Um, um but anyway so my my best friend in san francisco was a former act UP radical who was now sort of involved with um this this budding Gender thing. And at that time, I mean, it was it still felt so new and so marginal, like mainstream gay culture in San Francisco in the early 2010s was not super woke in that way. I mean, there wasn't like you go to the Castro or even like the radical fairies. It was not you weren't introducing your pronouns, you know, at bars and whatnot. It wasn't it wasn't a thing. It was still very, um, you know, just about hooking up with hot guys and whatever, having fun. There wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like that.
1: Um, (laughs) What a time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Remember that? You (laughs) know, I introduced
1: my, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I introduced my pronouns three hours ago. So At work or? No, it was like, I went out with a group of friends and someone, um, it's interesting because you only ever introduce your pronouns when someone you think might want that joins the joins the group you know Mm -hmm. so i was with some uh, uh, three gay guys and a woman Mm. and someone came over who lovely person no no critiques but (laughs) seemed like they were possibly giving some um gender non-conformity and it, it, yeah it
0: kind of so you out. just preemptively announced you just announced your pronouns <laughs> <laughs> no I, I
1: i asked because they were introduced to me in a na- with a name that was ambiguous and then they were uh it was very like it was, i'll give an example it was like Aaron, mm-hmm. um but the person clearly had like was clearly a man who had uh feminine <laughs> qualities yeah, yeah. and I didn't want to offend anyone. So I, I, I said, you know, what do you, what do you want us to, um, what do you want us to say? And they, uh, they were kind of like, Oh, out of drag, I'm they, them, but in drag, I'm she, her. And then like, I didn't, ex- I truly, I didn't expect this. I didn't, I didn't expect this. I asked Sounds them, like they,
0: them were expecting
1: it. Well, me. I I mean, but like, I truly was just asking, I, I was attempting to be kind to this person because I was in a, a kind of like social setting and, you know, I'm, a nice. I try to be a warm, welcoming mm-hmm. person, but then suddenly, everyone at the table began introducing <laughs> their pronouns, which was which was not what I was attempting to make happen. If, you right? Know what I, mean? like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I, was, I wasn't trying to start some like big uh, pronoun share, and it was very funny because. Um, Everyone else's pronouns were quite obvious, right? You know? Like no neo pronouns?
2: No neo pronouns? <laughs> no, I
1: mean we well and it's interest it's fascinating because before that I, I try to like do mask off here and there, right? Like mm-hmm. so like before this other person walked over who was a friend of one of the friends at the table, I was trying to say like so I said something like I don't know. I have some controversial opinions. Like, non-binary is bullshit. So I try to do mask off, even when I'm with other gay guys my Yeah, age, yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm trying to, like... And, like, one gay guy goes, yeah, I, like, I agree, girl. Like, went like that, right? Like... Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was, like... It was, like, kind of, like, laughing. And another gay guy goes, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I had someone introduce me to... Introduced themselves to me as Leaf and Leaf Self.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I
1: I said, I don't plan on, I I did not plan on using that for the person. Right. And And I think it's absurd. And he like laughed and he was like, Oh, that's so funny. And the woman the one woman in the group are like fag hag friends. Sorry, I love you. Cause she listens sometimes, but you know, whatever. She's our like woman friend. I was she was like, she was kind of like a leaf. And I was like, Yeah, like you use it like leaf. So everyone was kind of like thought it was absurd. But then this other person came over mm-hmm. who was like and a very effeminate gay man, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. and it was clear there was some gender nonconformity going on. So at some point I just went ahead and said, like I don't know why it came up, but it came up naturally. Like, what do you want me to refer to you as? And the person was like, Well, I'm they them out of drag, but I'm she her in drag. This person's a drag performer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, cool. But then suddenly yeah. everyone at the table starts introducing, yeah. and then someone else says, I think it's really important that we did this. Um, <laughs> you started that cue. I yeah. know. <laughs> I understand that I started it, but it was fascinating to watch, like, and and me included. Okay, included
0: the thing with that I don't get about the pronouns thing is like in most cases, right? Like if you're in, like you would only use someone's pronouns if they're not even there, right? right? Because right. like if you're talking to them, right. you're going to call them by their well, name the reason, or I mean, you of course, or whatever. But- so of it's course. like what, how are you like hurting someone by misgendering them? I't I didn't, I didn't bring
1: gay. it up out of nowhere. I was referring to the person in some way. Shape. Okay. Let me, be, let me be clear. I was like okay. referring. I was like, oh, this person's performance." Okay. Or whatever no, I,
0: I understand. I understand. No, So I was I,
1: like, like I, in, front, in front of the person, I was referring to something about them that would require a pronoun. And then because I'm a nice person i was trying to like be polite <laughs> that's the
2: thing it's like it's the niceness that that that's okay. that's the thin edge of the wedge is we just don't want to be
1: you know i want to be nice right. um no, never i mean i always i always want to be ni- i mean like i've joked around in the pot a million times i've given like like hundreds of blowjobs because of my, <laughs> like because because I was attempting to be like kind, you know what I mean? Like so, honestly, like... yeah. Do you know there's a discourse
2: about how how gay men are so like sexist and transphobic and when, And I think that's the opposite is true. Like, I think gay men are very well behaved for the most part. I mean, there's libidinal energy that's maybe out of control, but just in terms of like being <laughs> nice, well socialized. Mama's boys and so on. I think Of
1: course. They all wanna be so polite right, and so right, nice. Right, right. And right, everyone's everyone's trying to be polite and nice. I mean, even I don't know if you saw bros, David, but there was even like a big Okay, good for you. But there was even a there was even a big joke in bros where they have an orgy and there's one guy who's sort of like like no one really wants in the orgy, but like no one can like no one can sort of like voice that (laughs) and it's kind of like a bit that goes on for like 10 minutes like they're being like nice to daryl and it was like cracking me up because i was like this is what gay guys are like you know what i mean like they are like highly like they're trying to like kind of keep the social vibes chill at all times um i think so
2: yeah but But if you're dealing with like a narcissist making crazy demands it's like you can't give enough is the problem because you're still like and i saw this so okay so i'm not i'm not someone who like you know wants to generalize about all people in a certain group but i will say the first um i knew a radical trans man so ftm in in san francisco i I didn't know this person well but uh i'll just say he to people like uh, he was a, a gay man, right? I mean, he was actually a woman, but called himself a gay man. Right. And was so, hated gay men so much. It was an interesting thing where he, she identified into being a man, but then, um, like back then he had a blog he ran just, that was like, he would screen cap pictures of gay dude, they're, they're, they're cruising profiles like online cruising profiles and just like rant about he had this blog ranting about how much how awful gay men were where at the same time he was identifying into it and like getting you know radical surgery and so on and so i think there's an issue there i mean i think that's sort of what the trans movement this is the issue of you can call them by the right pronouns but there's still a reality
1: that keeps Butting in, right? Like, if not being but let me let man. me let me ask a let me ask a question as the yeah, yeah. resident as the resident trans right activist of my, <laughs> corner, <laughs> as my, of my corner of Twitter, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, sure. I fervently am not, but it's sort of like the moderate. Semi-
2: Let's just say moderate.
1: You're a moderate, yeah, like artist, the, the vaguely yeah. moderate yeah. voice. Um, don't all gay guys fucking like, hate on gay culture and, like, hate other gay guys? I mean, like, isn't that, like, like, how many gay guys have you heard be, like, I mean, like, like even tonight, like, I was with a group of gay guys. It's, like... Oh, this this guy said this or this guy said that or this guy lied about this sure. physical attribute or this guy lied about that physical attribute or yeah. or he or he got fat or what, you know what I mean like I was just I'm just asking like can you clarify and Is I'm sure it was uh... I, I know, I'm sure it was different. I actually think it probably was different. I agree it was different, but could you clarify how it's different than this kind of natural gay cattiness because I, I think it, I, my guess was it was different it was coming from a place of resentment that most gay men don't have is my guess but
2: yeah I think it's coming more from a place of uh, well I mean I I don't know I think it's coming from like there's definitely a thing where women sort of fetishize gay men in, for various reasons like there's a psychology there of like fag hags and whatnot. and I, I I'm not uh, I mean I you know I love the ladies. Uh, I live with a woman, my roommate. She's great. Uh, some of my best friends are females, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I think, I think you can see this this new trend of women trying to become gay men.
1: Well, that's definitely true. I mean, if you look yeah, at yeah. Rose, romance novels and and you look at like yao like anime like Yahweh and stuff, it's all written by women, like the gay male.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's a huge, I mean, that's. I mean, I work in an independent bookstore, that's a huge market. It's women writing gay male sexual.
2: Oh, okay, movies. interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: massive market, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, and, every time, every time I'm in the store, I sell books where that's the case.
2: Well, and now, but then, yeah, so and I think that's fine. I mean, you know, have at it in your imagination, but there's unfortunately now there's also like this vaporware, right? This, this, the medical industrial complex selling. Some of these women that they can literally become gay men, right? Right, and that's fueling, um, you know, some of the which, which, which to be
1: honest, I think is fascinating. They don't actually want that, right? Because to be a gay man,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if we're being, I remember this uh, river. I always forget his full name. Oh, Do river, yeah, a, yeah,
2: I know river, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's 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 sweet. We're mutual. River Page, river yep. is nice. So he wrote this, you know, he wrote this whole article, he's probably more moderate than you, like in the Tablet article, generally speaking, but he wrote this whole article about how like to be a gay man is to sort of be confronted with, to accept and be confronted with kind of like endless rejection, right? Because, Mm. you know, to be on the, because women are totally cut out of the sexual uh, landscape, right? Right. So any sort of like discernibility or like decorum is gone, right? It's like, we're talking about guys and this is how men would act without women present, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what gay male sexuality is, period. If women weren't present, most straight men would act this way too, or if, or if straight women were willing to act this way. But if straight look, women
0: are out of the picture, there's a lot less rejection, I feel.
1: But, like. le, but let, me, let me be clear, like if if straight women were yeah. down to act like gay men, sure, then the sexual marketplace for straight people would be so radically alienating to what most straight people are used to. Like mm-hmm. UA would be able to put on some sort of dating app do not message me if you're not a size X waist, <laughs> a size C bra size. Okay, yeah, yeah. A size, like, mm-hmm. And this is this is stuff that's regularly in gay mm-hmm. dating apps, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is like a normal part. Like, yeah, no. If you go, crave, if you like- if you go on Grinder, you can see. Like, don't message me if you're un- if you're over a size thirty two inch waist. If you're this, if you're that, if you're if your cock is less than mm. seven inches. Like, this is stuff you see. Like, normal. It's it's like a normal part of gay male. You message someone, you get a picture of their asshole right away. You get a picture of their cock right away. They want that right back from you. I'm not saying every guy. A free saying, and open sure.
0: sexual marketplace.
1: Saying, yeah, it's a sexual marketplace. It's capitalism. It's it's all of it, baby. And I find it fascinating that these women, and I, I am going to go ahead and call them women in this instance, because sure. I, have, I have a lot more... Empathy, and I think there's a lot more research on um, M to F, like transsexuals, in my opinion. So in this case, you know, F to M's, mm-hmm. they are ultimately women, mm-hmm. and they're entering this marketplace that th- that's, that's totally foreign to them that mm-hmm. they can't possibly cope with, right? Because women don't have to cope with um, with that in the in the straight marketplace and they certainly don't have to cope with it in the lesbian marketplace but <laughs> they have to cope with it in the gay male marketplace and if they're going to enter the gay male marketplace I, I sort of feel like what do you what do you expect babe like this is a fucking this is this is a wuhan wet market babe like well this is like a, <laughs> you know what i mean like you're like you're yeah yeah like do you know uh Okay, I never met
2: her, but uh, this book "Whipping Girl" by Julia Serrano. i have read it. You've, you've read it, okay? I've never actually read it, but I knew people who. Okay, so yeah. I knew people like yeah, who knew who knew that. I, you know, I, when did you all first hear the term cis? For me, it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco. I heard it in college,
0: a feminist studies major. Okay, okay, probably same for me, or shortly thereafter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Probably, in, I had to be in college, I guess. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that scene, I was sort of uh, peripheral to it, but I knew I knew people in it, and they were all, you know, it was all... Well, yeah, never mind, I'm not going to go there.
0: Um, okay,
2: so, uh, I, I knew people in this I, scene.
0: I feel and, like whatever you were thinking, you should go there.
2: <laughs> well... <laughs> I there was a connection between a lot of people in this radical scene were into quote unquote sex work. And I'm, I'm just wondering why that was, that was, that was a thing. Yeah. That was a thing. Hmm. And you know, sex work is work. That's a big slogan. Now that was definitely, that was definitely part mm-hmm. of that. Well, that's yeah, the
0: that end. That that's the new thing important. is that like sex workers are considered like queer or whatever. Like even if they're like heterosexual.
2: Right. Right. And so that was part of, uh that was, that was, part of that scene back then for yeah. whatever reason.
0: I haven't quite been
2: able to make the connection. I mean, I'm not one of these like anti-porn feminists or anything like that, but there was an overlap for um whatever.
1: I mean, the coolest people in my feminist studies major were definitely like people who actually stripped and stuff. So,
2: okay, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't quite get the schizophrenia of feminism where you know, there's the ones who are totally opposed to the trans and pornography, and then there's this other contingent that is just like bring it on. And there, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really a feminist, so I I can't really <laughs> adjudicate those. It makes perfect spaces. sense to me.
1: It's like it's like if you if you if capitalism is the rain, it's like whatever. Like like if you if you have a commodity, why not make men pay for it? I, mean, I think that's the bottom line. It's a cynical worldview,
0: but it's. Yeah. Were did, did you ever consider yourself a feminist, David?
2: Yeah, um, I think I did in. But I, I, I to be honest, I have pretty negative associations with feminism just because I associate it with like self-loathing. Mm,
0: that's interesting.
2: Yeah, that's that's promoted. Yeah. Um, you know like i i'm I'm a big uh book nerd so I'll read whatever i re- I read like Andrea dworkin at one point in my life and just like this male hating stuff
1: <laughs> um and then love her I still, gonna... I, I still to this day don't hate her <laughs> good, good for you um
2: and then can't,
1: can't hate her can't hate her if I try um
2: and then but I think <clears throat> I mean for me moving like immersing myself in this moving to San Francisco, the fairies, discovering, you know, the joys of being gay. It was very, it, I mean, it had the opposite. It did not in any way encourage any kind of trans identity for me because it was obvious. I, if I enjoy having a male body so much, I'm a guy. Right. So it was, Mm -hmm. it was anti-dysphoric for me. Um, becoming gay i mean and you know gay culture is always like playful with you know you call your friends girl or whatever and so on but that was a very playful thing it wasn't this sort of hr uh rigid system where you had to use certain certain words uh or else um so no i was never i was never much of a feminist because i i, I mean i i took for me it was too hard to uh i just being a homosexual, I just loved men too much. And feminism is just so anti, <laughs> I mean, it is. People will yeah, deny yeah. it, but it is. It's very anti-male. Um, so no, I was never really a feminist in that sense. Interesting. Do you
1: think that like, is it understandable to you why women would take like a total misandrist point of view? Like, let's say that, like, let's say that we could really separate, right? Like gay men, like you and I, you and I could go live in some sort of like, whatever, fairy commune. We're just around other gay men and straight people get to have their little corner of the country. Is it, is it, is it understandable to you why some women would want to totally separate from male men?
2: Well, I understand, like, being afraid of men. I mean, growing up... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, men can be... Uh, me too. Yeah, uh, t- me, yeah, yeah. Me, yeah,
1: me, yeah. me, me too. It, it feels relatable to me. I do understand why some women would want to... It doesn't feel like a complete, like insane thing to me that some women would want to be completely it feels insane to me they'd want to become men but it doesn't feel insane to me they'd want to be totally separate from men that there's women who would feel that way
2: yeah I mean civilization isn't going to be able to reproduce itself I mean of course we there's we, there's, there's
1: some there's some massive problems there's with some it, logistical but... issues there I and mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I feel like we kind of need to figure out how to get along. But, you know, I mean, if some women don't just, you know, in their daily lives don't want to be around men, that's fine. I mean,
1: whatever. Freedom of association. Well, that's, I mean, I, I guess I'm bringing that up and I'm sorry. I hope, I hope I, I, I would, not... as
0: a counterpoint to you, Q, though, I was like, would you say that the men, the way that men are now is better for women?
1: <laughs> no, but listen, I was, A, I was going for a total transphobic line of thinking here. So I wasn't, I wasn't going off on a tangent to me. If a woman (laughs) wants to totally separate from men and be a, and be a lesbian, I find that the transgender movement is actually horrific for them. It doesn't, it completely doesn't allow them that. And that's kind of what I was, Mm. that's, that's sort of where I was going with this line of questioning because, because I do think that there are women who, for very good reason, want to be separated from male culture completely. They don't give a shit about reproducing or what; None of that matters to them, right? They just don't want to be around men. But now, (laughs) they're not allowed to do that, right? Because men can just say they're women. (laughs) And I think that that's actually... And I actually think that's like, I actually think that's a shitty, I think that's actually a shitty outcome for like these women. That's something I get most furious about because I feel like actually if a woman makes a conscious choice that she wants to be separated from male culture and male sexuality, which I don't think is a completely illogical choice, she should be able to do that. But she's not allowed to do that now because yeah. men are able to enter enter those spaces. Oh totally why the I
0: think that's kind of why the like turf movement arose out of the like radical feminist like clique, you know what I mean. Yeah. For exactly that reason.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's an interesting question. Like what because right, so if there's if turfdom is about understanding biology, then yeah, it's reasonable, right? I mean and yeah, obviously, like there shouldn't be, Leah Thomas
1: shouldn't be swimming against
2: females. I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: No, and and lesbians shouldn't have to like contend with dating men on on sure, lesbian sure, 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 dating sure. sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the part that I find most infuriating. I'm like, I'm like, I think that's a valid choice to make. Plenty of gay men I know make the choice to kind of enter essentially gay male society kind of endlessly right like i know i know gay men in their 60s that that's how they've existed their entire lives right like being around only gay men but weirdly women aren't allowed that choice anymore if they want to make that choice they're not allowed
2: to i don't know that men are either to be honest i mean i think i don't know there's the last time i was at a i was at a gay bar last week and there was a you know, there was an FTM walking around shirtless. It was, yeah. I
1: guess I just feel like the differences, if I'm really getting into this question, Mm -hmm. I feel like the differences is that men have a significant amount of like ability to reject sexual advances from an FTM. Sure. But I don't feel like the same is true of women being able to reject the advances of an MTF. So I feel like there's this like, that's what makes me like I guess this is my like biggest turf belief. That's what I think sucks the most. It's like you're trying to exist in this female only space and now you have these like fucking bricks, these like 62 yeah. 220. Yeah, dudes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like the, hey. the bathroom dilemma is sort
0: of like a, <laughs> woman, a woman's issue more so than like a man, right? Like yeah, no one really no. cares if some like trans Sure, man comes into the bathroom and takes sure. a shit. No, there's like a physical, <laughs>
2: there's a physical endangerment issue for women that isn't there. Right, and that's
1: and and that to me feels prescient. To yeah. me, it feels it feels it feels more worrisome to me than the other sure. way around.
2: Yeah, no, but I think it's also, I mean, I think all people should be comfortable having boundaries, right? You know, like so i think it should be okay to not have you know i mean bars i'm fine with women in bars but like when you get into like gay bathhouses, i don't think there should be women there you know even if they identify as trans i, I, I just i think that's that's a boundary
1: um why because you just think it's because to me, I'm like, they shouldn't be there because they shouldn't be subjective to this, like, <laughs> scary, deviant male sexuality. But you seem, to, you seem to come from it from... And I, I mean that. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, I think it's like, women don't belong in a space like that because it's, they are physically vulnerable. But you seem to think, which is my, like, misogynistic opinion, but you seem to think they shouldn't be there for the gay men's uh, benefit or in some way
2: yeah i guess so yeah yeah i think well because i think of those space is like a celebration of men Mm. and like you want to go there to celebrate dudes right (laughs) like did you read that reddit about a trans an ftm who went to like a gay sex party and they were like too polite to say uh we don't really want you here but they just like kept turning away And she ended up crying like it seems like it'd be better for everyone in that situation to just say no at the door. Right. It'd be better for her
1: to not read that. Yeah.
2: It'd be better for them because they don't want that. It's okay to have sexual boundaries like even gay men, as shameless as we are, can have sexual boundaries. Right. So I think it's okay to just say no. Sorry, we don't want. Women here I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, I'm making like maybe a stupid argument. I'm just like, I feel like women are more more vulnerable to this ideology than men. Like I have more concerns about women with gender ideology than I do with with men. Sure. Um, but maybe it's a maybe it's not a point worth making. I just just, that's that's my bigger my bigger fear is from that. Is like women are more vulnerable than men are, generally speaking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um so what happened after your your dalliance with the San Francisco emerging trans community? David.
2: Well, um, I guess what happened, I just sort of settled down. My first few years in San Francisco were kind of wild, but then I sort of found uh, a boyfriend, moved in with him. Life got a little more domestic. Um, and uh, then... What happened was, you know, with 2016, um, I was really shocked uh, when Trump won. I wasn't paying a ton of attention to politics at that point. But if I, so far as I had politics, I think I was vaguely left slash lib. And um, it just seemed like it couldn't happen. And then I was like, well, why did this happen? And then I started, um, I got really into just reading... I was reading a lot of Marx actually at the time and trying (laughs) to like un You actually read it. Yeah, yeah. I read Marx. Not kidding. I started a capital reading group and we read uh Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I joined a small uh socialist organization, even. It's kind of embarrassing to admit to now, but it's true. (laughs) Which Uh, one? I don't really want to say the name because it wasn't DSA. It was something to the left of DSA.
1: All right. Well, I joined DSA. You did Okay. (laughs)
2: Coming
1: out on the pod, New York City, Harlem. Wow. Chapter. Into three meetings. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't get laid.
2: Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, so it seemed like, I mean, there was a way of reading the situation that was like... uh, (laughs) We're living through this crisis of capitalism, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. you know, and the neoliberal Dems are not. Which going I think to say w-
0: is, uh, uh, was, and is true.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some truth to it, uh, but it got, and I don't know. I was for a while, for a few years. I'll be honest. I was a big Jacobin reader, and like all the divisions we see now in the immediate aftermath of 2016, they weren't really there. Like Angela Nagel was still writing for Jacobin in like 2017, you know? And so it mm-hmm. felt like there was this, this strong current, and maybe this was wishful thinking, but there was this emerging left-wing current that was very much, uh, that saw like identity politics as like this neoliberal liberal Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton type thing. And there was mm-hmm. this, this class first Marxist politics that was emerging mm-hmm. around like Jacobin and some other journals and the DSA mm-hmm. and some other socialist groups. Um, and that we would uh throw this off, you know.
0: Uh and then that got crushed by COVID. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I think there were signs even before COVID though that things were yeah. uh that it was going in the wrong direction. I mean, well, I don't know, this might divide we've got some feminists here. So like Me Too, I think I thought Me Too was crazy because it, it just turned into this <laughs> this this hysteria of like getting rid of due process and like wait, wait, really wait, a- David
1: identify as a feminist. okay okay. Longer. okay I just I just love women and and have their have their interests have their back women. okay yeah I, ha- I have their back and I, I get why they're scared but no that that me too had some insane excesses of course I right and actually my recognize I my mean, yeah, lots of women. I lots of women I know recognize that too. The extreme excesses of the Me Too movement. And an interesting
2: thing about Me Too was it caused all these left wing groups just to self destruct because of internal accusations, um, and just like everyone immediately believing them. There was no real due process. It was just as soon as something was said, and there was also like this. Things would shade together for it was like saying something that maybe made a woman uncomfortable was the equivalent of like heinous assault and rape and so on and so it was Oh,
1: we've David, we've done this on the pod. Yeah. Okay, okay. We've, we've we we, we we've <laughs> done like before. We, But to say we are on your team, okay. like we okay. we have said, we have said how the left came up with the term sexual misconduct that 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 equated everything from yeah. a rude a rude comment to violent rape as exactly the same thing right the left, the left invented this right hatch all term that just encompassed this wide variety of you know right i mean and when, <laughs>
2: when trump won i mean it felt like for me at least it felt like oh no the fascists are here but then the fascism the anti-fascism was the fascism, right? So it was just like one hysteria mm-hmm. after another that eventually culminated in just like the COVID insanity. Um, but I mean, like all of it, like the Russian stuff was all fake. The um, Me Too was fake. It, it was It was just like mm-hmm. one crazy panic after another. And this like leftist idea of uh, being independent and like creating a, a, a worker-based movement, it, it didn't work out just because... Left was was chasing all those movements. I mean, even the far left, for the most part, there might have been a few exceptions. But any leftist who wanted to be in some way relevant was chasing all these like DNC psyops, um, mm. and they were calling the shots. If anything, the left was often the just like the more extreme version of them. You know, like it's not enough mm-hmm. to yeah, you have to me to everyone based on anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't just me to yeah. Kavanaugh. You have to <laughs> me to our own organizations, right? And on and on.
1: Oh, Oh, I mean, there were feminist organizations where the leaders self-accused of race before they (laughs) stepped down. So, it it definitely got, yeah. (laughs) It
2: got really (laughs) bad. Um, And then, yeah, and then so, okay. So, COVID. So, I was already, like, the the socialist organization I'd been a part of had collapsed by the 2020. And then I was, I mean, I did, I did go door to door for the Sanders campaign a little bit. I was still in that realm in early 2020 and then start hearing about COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, And then what was it? Okay. So Sanders had that like crushing blow to his campaign, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then in the primaries he won like the first two or three like and everyone was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, he's going to do it." And then they just crushed it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Hell and- Dog Hell Dog came in. Fucked them all with her, her big feminist dildo. <laughs> well, it
2: wasn't. It wasn't. It actually Obama convincing everyone to get behind Biden, or
1: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: consolidate behind Biden right before the whatever primary, and Elizabeth Warren like dropped out or something. Yeah. Exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it was like to me, it felt like I don't know if it was literally a week later. It was the same month that California shut down, right, and uh. COVID was suddenly here and everything just closed down. And it was really, I mean, I worked in the tourism industry. I worked in the tourism industry. I did a bunch of different things for work in San Francisco. I modeled, uh, I was an artist model and that was all canceled.
1: So all I was. So you were, you were still in the Bay area when COVID slammed. Yeah.
2: I lived in San Francisco from 2010
1: to 2020. And so. Okay. So you um, were in like. Like 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 both of us, you were in a big blue oh coastal, god, god whatever. Yes. Like not coastal, but you were in a big blue city where shit got real. You,
0: real you fast. went through the
1: yeah, the whole ordeal. Which like A and I both and yeah. Yeah. A and I both went through an in, intense blue city, yeah, crazy, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it was I mean, it was really uh yeah, that was really hard. And then living in San Francisco, I mean, in my tiny apartment, um, the relationship I was in, I mean, it was already, you know, we've you know, kind of been coasting for a few years, to be honest, but then just things got really intense that summer. It was it was really bad in San Francisco, and everyone was so hysterical, ma- masks outside, et cetera, et cetera. You try and um, – so I, I'm just – I, I need a vibrant city to live. So it always went really strongly against my natural disposition. I mean, I was like going out to bars until midnight the night before they had to close, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then it was just, I mean, it was just all turned off. And that was the idea. And sort of the people, most of my friends in my political home was all, uh, if anything... For it being stronger, right? Like they thought the Newsom wasn't going far enough in shutting everything mm-hmm. down. You know, I mean, that was the left's position pretty much. Uh, uh, like, like we absolutely. need we need to actually like, uh, what what do they do in China? They actually like lock people in their homes or something. They they fuse the door shut, stuff like that. Yeah, anyway, they, oh, cold the cold left the cold. left
1: one of that. So I had friends say that they were like, look at what China's doing, and I was like. Try to try to do what China's doing, where I grew up in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fucking funny because I grew up in I grew up in really conservative uh-huh. shithole Texas, and I'm like, try to nail people in, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Because I
1: would love to see the government try to nail people into their homes and where I grew up. Be- right, and it was <laughs> and there was this obsession
2: with. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of what drives the left right now is just like it's it's es- what's that word eschatology right it's the apocalypse it's the end times that everyone's envisioning and it's like the end times are there they're like the uh, get out of jail free card because you know the bernie campaign failed and we can't actually we're not actually that popular we can't convince people to like
1: us so we'll just threaten them with the apocalypse and that but what they but what they don't realize i'm no, sorry to interrupt no, is no. That, like that, that has always been the driving force like that is there's always it's like it's like it's like they think it's so unique, but that's always been the thing. The end times are here for thousands of years. They've been saying
2: that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more,
1: yeah, 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 hilarious. <laughs> well, no,
2: I mean, you go back to write the epistles of Saint Paul, and he's just like the second coming was. He was expecting it to be like the church was never supposed to last this long. Totally, to... totally. Right,
1: you right, go right. back to early. You go back to early Christian teachings. It was like. We're 10 years away, guys. It's mm-hmm. like the year 100. Right, like right, are, right, right. right. The, the downward spiral has begun. And I'm like...
2: Yeah, oh God, yeah. I'm so gonna... I, I think, yeah, the apocalypse fills some basic human need that we all seem to have. <laughs> uh,
1: but... Don't we all... I mean, don't <laughs> we all theoretically want to die... Like, don't we all want to die in the end of the world? I mean, none of us want the world to go on after us and, and if we're really being honest
2: <laughs> um that's a good i don't know
1: I, yeah isn't that isn't is isn't that a isn't that a sort of primal desire that everything yeah. ends when we end
0: and i think it makes your own life yeah feel more
1: significant like yeah totally coincided. and if you don't have kids like i don't know if you have kids david i'm thinking not but no i don't you do not i am an uncle uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you're a homosexual without kids you know a has kids so maybe yeah. he hopes an apocalyptic maybe, homosexual <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe a hopes the world is is good for his kids but i think it's i think even a lot of people with kids kind of hope like it all it all ends with me. Well, I think again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably partly <laughs>
2: egocentric, but I think there's also a hope that like the apocalypse is the unveiling and everything. Even if everything ends, everything will also make sense, like a final revelation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to vindicate right. your whole belief system. Um, uh-huh. I mean, that's the apocalypse. It's not just a it's not just a purely negative thing. It's also like a uh, it's also an unveiling of the truth. Is the way the apocalypse is imagined? Um, of course. And, uh, but I don't think the left was always as apocalyptic as it is now. I really don't because I think it was, it's been a while. I mean, before I was born, before we were born, but I think there was a time when the left was more connected to, uh, you know, a mass workers movement.
1: Um, And it just. I mean, definitely, but they also wanted to, which they were probably right. I I think they were probably right. But I mean, like the sixties, kind of revolutionaries, like they, they wanted, they, they really believed the government was evil and they wanted to, they wanted to tear down the government, even if that meant killing,
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: millions of people. I mean, they were, the the weather underground was like very explicit about that. And they're like, kind of like, you know, but now I find it weird that the left is like, the government is a hundred percent right. (laughs) <laughs> well, I Delicious. think the '60s was
2: the turning point because I mean, you know, the San Francisco DA who got uh, recalled, Jessica Bodine, was a yes. child of the Weather Underground, or yes. very, so, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's typical. Like the these these radicals ended up because they were students, they ended up assuming the new. Uh, well,
1: right, they were upper, upper middle. Position. They were yeah. they, they were sort of upper middle class people who ended up as becoming establishment themselves. But I find it, and Chessa Boudin's a great example of that. But I just I find it so fascinating that the the, the thrust of the left has been anti government to becoming the government. To everyone on the left should be extremely pro government. I, I that's that to me feels like how it's kind of gone.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that change happened just in our lifetime. I mean. Even with yeah with the war yeah i mean and the left is generally seems to be more pro-war now more
1: yeah uh, they love ukraine right right right, right. well they,
2: they
0: like pretend that it's not like a real war or that like you the united states like isn't involved or something <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah 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 it's, it's like it's like this polite fiction that it's like well it's not like a real war or like they're the victim of it or whatever
2: Right, right. And that I mean, some of that might go back to Syria too, of mm-hmm. uh funding, you know, proxy wars, but doing it with humanitarian mm-hmm. uh sort of liberal justifications as opposed to, you know, during the Cold War it was all anti communist. Um mm-hmm. now the proxy well, that's wars like
1: all that's like all the US has done for like fifty years is like fund proxy wars to Ostensibly advance humanitarian. <laughs> that's like their—that's like their entire project. It's like we just fund these proxy wars to advance our humanitarian efforts. It really the world. is
0: like the oldest trick in the book at this. Point. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, easy. sure, yeah. sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then, well, I mean, the other pe- the left is now so associated with like all the scientific. Oh, for all, 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 all the medical associations and so on and I don't know yeah exactly uh how that happened. <laughs> can I ask can I ask yeah. you because you
1: said you said you were interested in talking about this like so I I'm a a we're the same, we're similar age, almost the same age, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm a hyper, I'm currently a hyper medicated adult mm-hmm. and have been medic, medicated my, my, almost my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. early, early psych treatment. Sure. Since I was, since I was a kid, etc. Yeah. Um, it seems like you went through that too. I currently like cannot get off SSRIs no matter yeah. how hard I try. It's, the withdrawal symptoms are too intense, and I freak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have total like, sure. you know, which which are th- I have things happen to me that never happened before I took SSRIs. Sure. You know what I mean? But now I can't come off the SSRIs without like a total. Like, I almost feel like if I'm ever going to get off them, they're going to have to, like, put me in some, like, sanatorium in, like, Switzerland for, like, six months. Sure, sure. Stay there until I'm, like, clean of these SSRIs. Anyway, you said you had a past with uh, hypermedicalization, which I think really connects to the trans stuff. So I'd love it if you'd uh, tell us a little about that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So, okay, so I think, yeah, I mean, my view is, like, uh, the trans kid thing is a continuation of sort of the medicalization of childhood that began with our generation, maybe a little before, I don't know if like Gen X kids were on uh, antidepressants and.
1: Uh... Well, you listen to the, you, li- we are in another group chat together. You listened to the witch hunt of JK Rowling, right? Or, I didn't listen did to the whole or...
2: thing actually. No.
1: Yeah. I listen. I listened to the whole thing too. So she kind of, she kind of traces it to like the nineties. So it's okay. like, it's like it's like Gen X's the people Gen X having kids was so like whatever I guess millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of traces it to like suddenly they need Vivance, they need Adderall, they need SSRIs, they need that. That's where J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying she. Yeah. I'm not saying she's. I, I think it, it was kind of emerging. Yeah, as we were kids. Like, I don't but yeah, know. like kind of the '90s seems like where that emerged to me.
2: Yeah, and so the mm-hmm. kids who are now adults who were raised on Prozac and uh, Adderall are now raising kids are now raising trans kids, you know? So that's, right. that's, that's sort of the, the slippery slope as I see it. Um, so yeah, totally. um, my experience was, it was funny because I, I came out to my parents, I was pretty young and um, they were supportive, but they were just like, well, you Know maybe, uh, you seem like you've said maybe you could just like see a counselor, not as like any kind of conversion therapy, but just like you know for help. And then as soon as you start talking to them, uh, antidepressants are just like the first thing they want to give wow. out. So I was on antidepressants for a while when I was 14.
1: What'd you take?
2: Uh, I think it was Zoloft. I think it was yeah. Zoloft. I actually'm not That's sure. What
1: I'm, on, I'm on Zoloft now, but I've been through the whole Okay. I've been I've been through the whole booklet.
2: Okay. Yeah. And then in my later teens, I started seeing um uh when I was in college, I started going seeing a counselor and I ended up on uh first Zoloft and then <laughs> this is I ended up on antipsychotics for a little while. And oh wow. Mm, wow. And those are So depending on the first, the the dose was small enough that it wasn't bad. But then, and for me, I mean, kids are very, very, very suggestible, right? And so I can totally understand how social contagion would work based on my own experience. It's like, if you start to see a mental health professional, you get it in your head that you're crazy, right? And you start acting out. um, the, The idea of being crazy is, what madness is, you know? So it's, 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 it creates, it's self-fulfilling.
1: Absolutely. And kids, and kids, and kids see, like, I remember seeing the movie 13, like with my girlfriends when I was 13. And I didn't think of it as like, some cautionary tale. I was like, this is an instruction manual.
2: Oh, is that about like like 13 year olds huffing? It was like 13 year olds, like
1: huffing pain and like cutting themselves and like smoking cigarettes and like fucking guys. And yeah, I, I remember like, I was like with my like, you know, like BPD girlfriends. We were all like 13 and like, we did not see that as like, Oh my God, this is a horrible thing that happened to us. We were like, we should be, doing that (laughs) you know what i mean like so i totally get how like social contagion is totally a thing when you're a teen because like you see that shit and you're like you think it's kind of like i hate to say it but you think it's kind of like sexy and cool to be like oh absolutely yeah yeah
2: and you also (laughs) i mean and i don't think teens necessarily I mean, teens are rebellious, but I, I think they also, I mean, it doesn't occur to them to uh, look into the research behind the pharmaceuticals oh, wow. they're being prescribed, you know,
1: and um, and so when, when my friends started getting Adderall prescriptions, it was like the most exciting time of like all of our lives. It was like, oh my god! I've well, never been
0: on. Parents Adderall. don't look into. It. I mean, they're just like, oh, right. so they can check it off the list. Oh, like that problem solved. You know, got some pills they can take. You know, yeah, yeah,
2: and I think and it's understandable. Like the parents, you know, especially oh, just a sexist stereotype. I think mothers often, you know, just feel this intense need to make their child's. Stop hurting to make their child's problems go away, and if mm-hmm. if medical professionals are promising them that they can, that's so uh, irresistible.
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, but yeah, I ended up on a pretty heavy dose of uh, anti psychotics for it wasn't long, but it was just it was the worst experience of my life when I was 19. Wow.
0: What, what, I mean, if it's not too personal, but like what um, symptoms were you having that I think I was just
2: freaking out and just being very suggestible. I mean, I think I just had racing thoughts and Mm -hmm. I was catastrophizing them because I was a mental patient and Mm -hmm. turning them into voices, but I wasn't actually hearing voices or having hallucinations.
0: But it was just like almost like panic attacks, sort of. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was that. And so it was like this idea. And it was, oh, you know what it was? First, they put me on a low dose of these things because of like Mm -hmm. panic attacks. And then I looked up what it was, and it was like this drug used to treat schizophrenia. So then I was like, oh "Oh my God, I'm schizophrenic. And then they eventually upped the dose.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And I mean, they, they, uh, antipsychotics are honestly just chemical lobotomies. I mean, I was sleeping like 16 hours a day when I was on this dose and you couldn't, when you were awake, you couldn't, like, I couldn't read one sentence from start to finish. How how old were you? 19 or 20. I think I was 19. Yeah. Wow.
0: Oh my God.
2: And then, yeah. And so I don't know if I've, I've worked in group homes and if you, you see like lifelong mental patients, they're, um, They have like really bloated skin and they're shaking. They're like, it's called the heart of dyskinesia and you see them shaking like this. And um, that's, that has nothing to do with madness in it's pure state. That's a hundred percent the side effects of these drugs. Wow. Um, So they're really brutal. I mean, I know, you know, I'm sort of on the right politically now and there's sort of like this strain on the right, like Michael Schellenberger, Who's like we need to mandate psychiatric treatment? And I just I can't get down with that because it's just I, the I
1: psych agree. meds are so
2: awful. Um, I'm not saying like yeah.
1: I don't know. I I have complicated feelings about it because I I understand the resistance and psych meds are so awful. But living where I live, it's like there's so many people who are just totally on the streets, yeah. just completely. Sure. No one is doing anything for them at all. And I'm like, is this, is this better? better? Than- well,
2: actually people are doing things for them because they're sort of subsidizing that, I guess, like, uh, the poverty.
1: um, I mean, they they are subsidized, but I'm like, this seems so inhumane to let them just literally... I mean, like... is is it better to
0: lock them up in a hospital room with... I I don't know, but I I mean, like, to
1: me, it makes me so angry because I I hear what you're saying, eh? A. It's true. It's like, is it better to basically lobotomize them? Mm. I don't know. But if you look up statistics, I mean, every year in New York City, it's like many, many people just fucking die on the street just or,
2: die well i mean just i think freeze, just just
1: freeze just freeze to death you know i think and the problem
2: like... i have though is 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 the idea that it's a, a problem that medicine can solve like that the experts mm-hmm. can come in and prescribe so the you, right drugs. let me ask, yeah. let me
1: ask you a real question because like so i have known in my life, uh-huh. uh, people people who are schizophrenic. Yeah, yeah. So i've I've known some people who like diagnose schizophrenics yeah, who yeah. like truly cannot, truly could not function in any way, shape, or form. And they 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 do claim. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I, I'm not saying I'm a doctor. I don't have any brain scans, but they do claim without the medicine. They would truly just be like on the streets, like, like they've like had that level of breakdowns, you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm not, I I guess to me, I'm curious, like, is it kind of like the tranny thing in Mm. the sense that like, there is a very small percentage of people that really actually need these interventions uh, but, well,
2: for but, the record, it, I don't accept that about the trans thing. But okay, yeah. But is there is there like a true schizo that actually needs this man
1: Well, i've I've okay. met people who yep. have I've met people who have whatever attempted suicide a million uh, what well, not a million times attempted suicide many times. Hear voices, oh, cannot sure. function, cannot function in society. Their family is at their wit's end. Sure. The family is the family is essentially breaking apart. Siblings, yeah, parents, yeah, yeah. R- parents are near divorce. They've been dealing with it for decades. It's awful. They hate it. It manifested early in childhood. Yeah. It's deep it's it's deeply awful for everyone involved. It's essentially broken the family unit into almost nothing. Yeah. And and, and they eventually get the person to agree to take these medications and things are like okay in the sense that they at least know the person's not gonna jump off a building like tomorrow. Like, I've met, like, I have, like, literally in my life known families where that is that sure. is what's happening. So it's hard for me to say, like, it's hard for me to completely discount it because I'm like, what What are they supposed to do? Let their kid just, let their child just commit suicide? Like, I don't know. Doesn't that seem crazy? Um, Doesn't it seem worse?
0: Well, it sounds like the, kid, the person is volunteering to take the medication, right? I mean, they're not being, like abducted.
1: Not always. Not
2: always? That sometimes they're being mandated?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've known well a lot of people in my life whose sibling or they themselves had to be truly um like sedated yeah, commi- or com- whatever. Committed and sedated. And Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's just like... I mean, maybe I'm too... I just see it as... There are really, really difficult people in the world I mean I wouldn't want to deny that uh, is but if chemical lobotomy is the best alternative I mean that's
1: I think that's really sad no, I think so, yeah I, I understand I mean I get I get what you guys are saying I'm just kind of like I do know people I do know people who families who have done this because they truly believe they're saving yeah and then i think life. okay
0: so in that case yeah you have this family that's involved that's trying to make it it's not really something that like the state is
1: no primarily it's parents that are yet. it's parents that are desperate to you know so mm-hmm. that to me
0: is something better than just like rounding up like homeless people and like forcing them in injecting with drugs. Yeah. Or there
1: was this documentary on HBO that was about difficult boys. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was mm. very fascinating. It was like parents where the boy and the family who knows what's going on, but like is basically just violently beating mm-hmm. the other siblings mm-hmm. and the mother mm-hmm. and like, like, and like the boy is like only seven or eight. And they truly... Because they're on Adderall. (laughs) No, no, these are kids who aren't even on anything yet. And they truly, like, in one of these situations on this documentary I watched, the the kid killed his father. Oh, God. At, like, nine. Stabbed him to death. And, like, the mothers were, like, at a certain point, I called the police so many times because I was trying to save my other children from, like, death. I liked, and the police were like, we can't actually like, (laughs) I don't know. Like there has to be room. This is not,
0: I don't know anyone like this. This is one, this is like some tabloid or whatever. story. I know
1: people. I know people who have had kids this sick.
0: Who many
1: murdered their father at age nine. Not murdered their father, but I've known people who have had kids that are this violent. They're being violent to their siblings. They're being violent to the parents not what? murder their father. I, I I know a family whose kid brought four or five guns to school in his bag and the kid went to jail for 10 years. That's a real that's those are real people I know. Sure.
2: Yeah, I mean there are violent people.
1: But there's is violent it people. I think there's <laughs> they I, mean, exist. I basically
2: think the field of psychiatry is fake. I mean, I don't the I think men the idea of a mental illness is a metaphor that hasn't that people take literally, it's kind of like the trans thing. It's it's a metaphor that people take literally and think, oh, we have these these drugs that can cure it, but it's not. It, it I don't think it
1: really. You don't affects- think there's any. You don't think there's any mentally ill people.
2: It depends on what that means. I mean, there are clearly very disturbed people, you know, very violent people, but people like they use that term as a, as, a, as a as a as a biological claim that there's something wrong with their brain chemistry that needs to be fixed and I'm
1: and I'm not even talking like, about biology yeah. like you don't ag- you don't agree that there are or, or do you guys maybe both of you don't agree that there have been like observable mental illnesses that have been documented for hundreds of years the same sort of compulsive. Yeah, but mental
0: can. illness is one particular framework of understanding that
1: phenomenon. Of yeah, course, yeah, people yeah. people said it was people said it was demon possession. People sure. said it was this. People said it was that. I'm not claiming that people haven't called it other things. But to claim that there's not people who society has no idea what to do with and are also extremely sure. dangerous yeah. we're not we're, I don't
0: think we're saying sh- sure, that's dangerous. True. Yeah. That, that's
1: in, that's insane to claim that doesn't exist that's been documented all of human history that there's people who are, Right, melancholy or whatever, yeah. But even just worse than that, like people who just seem like pathologically violent that society has no idea how to handle.
2: But one thing I'll say about that is, uh, so as hard as... uh, The hardest thing was actually withdrawing from... Maybe even harder than being on the drug was withdrawing from it. Uh, Just like cold turkey quitting. Um, And it was only on... It was a short period, um, like a month. And I've never... I'm not a super aggressive person, Um, but coming off Risperdal, uh, wait, geodon, it was one of those big uh, antipsychotics. The aggression was so extreme. Like I've never yelled at my mother before. Um, and, And that week I was withdrawing, screaming at her. And so I think the thing is the way a lot of medicine works now is it makes you dependent. And then, It treats you for the withdrawal symptoms because you're dependent, you know? So in the case of people like violent psych patients, is it the condition that's making them violent or is it the drugs themselves, you know? I mean, I'm not,
1: I'm not pro-drug. I'm just saying these people exist and we've had religious attempts at solving them. We've had medical attempts at solving them. We've had spiritual attempts at solving them. I'm just saying that like to claim these people don't exist at all, but I don't think seems... anyone
0: was claiming that.
1: <laughs> oh, it felt like that was the claim. It's like everyone would be fine if there were no psych drugs, and I'm like, no, that's not true. There are people no. who can't exist, but in I society. do think I
2: do think probably religious <laughs> frameworks like there's been studies that uh okay, I don't have it on hand, but there's a great book called Mad in America that covers this about how. Uh, schizophrenia does exist across different cultures, but generally the patients who don't go on psych meds recover the best from it. Because if you go on a psych med, you start a career as a lifelong patient, essentially. I mean, it's very hard to get off them. I'm very lucky that I did. Um, And so, yes, difficult people, people who have visions, they exist in all cultures and all cultures have different ways of dealing with them. I just think Pharmaceuticals and like the institutions of, of psychiatry are are a bad way of dealing with them,
1: I would say. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I just was like, I'm just like, these people exist. I guess that was and maybe no one was saying they didn't, but mm. I'm like, they do exist. We don't know what to do with them. Different different cultures have had different ways of dealing with them, but they've existed across time mm-hmm. and cultures for thousands of years. And sure. that, that, I think that's that's well documented. Um That's all I was saying. Yeah, it's part
2: of the human condition. It's definitely part of the human
1: condition. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think we all agree on that point. Um, So, David, um, I guess we're getting close to our usual kind of hour and a half here, but yeah. Was there anything that you wanted to cover or like address about your tablet piece or anything else? Um I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I guess just
2: the thing I always want to emphasize about about the trans thing is I see it as a uh, Um, a problem of like the medical industrial complex and the pharmaceutical industry and if you you try and frame it that way you're still going to get called right a transphobe or someone who wants trans people to die etc etc but it really doesn't mean that any more than being against antidepressants means you want people on antidepressants to die, right? You know, I mean, I think it's a very deliberately dishonest way to frame it, but a very ingenious way to frame it because then you get the whole, like, infrastructure of uh, left-wing activism, sort of civil rights behind it. If you can get civil rights and the pharmaceutical company on the same page, right, as, like, this uh, wrecking ball I think you kind of won and I think that's why despite how crazy it is, despite how sort of obviously crazy so much of it is, that's why gender ideology is is having so much sex- success right now and why it's so hard to push back against.
0: I don't know, it's a very divisive issue as you alluded to, like people on the left feel very strongly about it, you know, that it's a social justice kind of issue and um anyone who's on you know questions the kind of trans or gender ideology thing is going to be on the wrong side of history on the other hand like people on the right also feel very strongly about it in the other Mm. direction Mm. um like what do you feel is sort of like at stake with this issue and like why does it like resonate so strongly with people
2: from my view, it's uh the reason it resonates strongly is it's it's uh um you know, it's like public child sacrifice. I mean, it's it's you know, giving puberty blockers to children to reconfigure their genitalia and sort of uh just like cripple and maim them. Um and to do that openly, you know, protect trans kids, et cetera, et cetera, as such a pop like the Democrats as one of the two major parties have made it so central to them that on seemed...
1: SNL last weekend. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. That
2: cast. Do, do you think yeah. it's, do
1: you think it's, do you think it's satanic?
2: No, I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's, uh, I mean, I think, I think the right. A has, A
1: has me reading this book right now. That's gotten me really into satanic program stuff. to kill. Oh, program I don't, I've kill. never read it, but
2: no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, and like, I don't, I mean, I guess I disagree some with the right who are, you know, obsessed. I mean, the groomer meme, I think there's some truth to that, but I think people are misunderstanding it a bit if they think this is about pedophilia, because I don't really think it oh, wow. is. I think it's about um, sort of medicine colonizing every aspect of our lives to the point now that like public, child vivisection you can just perform these hideous it's like it's like a woke dr mangala kind of deal you know but i don't think it's i don't think it's serving another end of like a pet this is my opinion i don't think it's serving the end of like a pedophile cabal i think it's just medicine itself sort of asserting its its insane power over
1: all of our lives at this point um so you think the goal is purely financial I like can your world be. Uh
2: no, well, um I think it's I think it's uh Do you know there's um there's this trans billionaire or multimillionaire uh Martin Rothblatt. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the name. But anyway, um who's who's a transhumanist, right? And so the idea is um overcoming death itself. Like so trans is uh is transgender is just one part of this transhumanist vision. So I think there actually is a certain spiritual appeal to a lot of this and this idea of the body as like this infinitely fungible material that we can do whatever we want with. And um, so I I do think there's a popular resonance there. It's not just that, that it makes money though. It does make money, but I, I can understand why that vision resonates with a lot of people, like the idea of overcoming these limits. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a promise of overcoming the human condition, right that medical
1: technology we, we, we can we can change our biology
2: yes yes it's it's vaporware it's it's the same idea yeah. as uh what was that Theranos, right like this idea you sell this idea of a medical utopia to people and then but then you end up with a colostomy bag right and you just end up with with a broken body there's no transcendence that really happens. you just maim people and make them dependent um
1: for life. So the 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 underlying Freudian aspect of all of it is fear of death. If you can change your biology, maybe you can defeat.
2: <laughs> right, which I think was I think what's the underlying idea uh, behind COVID. Right, I mean, like respiratory right. viruses are just a part of the human condition too. We all get viruses. You can't right. you can't get rid of disease, but there was this promise that we could stop disease and but it was a false promise you can't especially not with just like a stupid mask you know and so it's the same idea of like promising the ability to change sex or to become a new gender i mean it's very i can understand why it's so appealing but uh what did socrates say right wisdom is learning how to die right so i feel like we're 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 losing wisdom uh in this rush towards uh technological utopia which doesn't even work like the technology is nowhere even there and even if it were you know it's still an evasion of the human condition which i think we can't evade
1: yeah a and i have talked a lot about how like you know ultimately like medical interventions don't really extend people's lives kind of at all you know like at like in in reality, like at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean most it's not like the reality
0: it, is most of them just don't work. They don't they just work don't work. As, right. Like, or like, there's some horrible side effect that isn't disclosed or whatever. You know, I mean it's not what it is doesn't work in the way that it's presented.
1: No, even a lot of like there was that I thought this was interesting because it was in the times, so who knows? Maybe it was controlled up, but there was that oncology doctor that was like I would not get chemotherapy after the age of Mm -hmm, 75. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was like, he was just coming out saying like, I wouldn't do it. Like it's not worth it after the age of 75 to extend my life nine to whatever months, you know, um, With intense suffering. Like, yeah. And then it's, yeah. yeah. And then it takes away,
2: do you guys know the author Ivan Illich? He's been really,
0: uh, yes, y- y- yeah, yeah. We've talked, we've talked okay. about him on here with with Spendy about actually. like home on, on the schooling side a bit more. But
2: okay, okay. So he had a book, Medical Nemesis, which really um, has meant a lot to me, and he talks about like only pain. What's the quote? only pain that's viewed as curable becomes unbearable so if you if you if you're able so medicine is promising this this cure for pain which paradoxically just makes the pain that much worse because <laughs> you see every pain as no there's a there's a solution for this but there often isn't a solution for pain yeah. right you have, just have to
0: yeah why do I have this pain there must be some way I can get rid of it yeah that's right interesting. Yeah. yeah
2: so then so then this promise and I think I mean I think that's part of why the social contagion is so bad among girls is, you know, female puberty is really, it's awful. Right. Like, uh, and then if you tell them it's optional, if you tell them it's optional, uh, a lot of them are just, are going to want to opt out of it.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. It's scary and terrifying. And the idea that you could (laughs) get pregnant is terrifying to a child. Sure. 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 (laughs) So,
2: yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's sort of the underlying thing here. Yeah, that that con- yeah. that connects a lot of these different issues is yeah this false utopia that that is being promised.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. The Illich idea too that like all these institutions kind of come to have the like opposite effect right, of right. like what they're like the medical industry is making everyone sick whatever right. you know like the schools are like making everyone stupid you know <laughs> like right 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 yeah
2: bad. and so the yeah so there's a counterproductive aspect when <laughs> when this all gets institutionalized like you could say like academia right now is the biggest enemy of free thought, right? Or journalism yeah. is the biggest enemy of free speech right now, um, and on and on. So the arts are the enemy of creativity at this moment, as as they're institutionalized. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I don't think there. I'm no longer really a Marxist, so I don't think there is a radical solution. I think we just need to <laughs> learn to learn how to die, basically learn to.
1: I think we need to learn to accept our fate. Right. And probably it, it would be better for all of us if um, we were way more offline, which is ironic mm. for the three people three. sitting right. in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Three three very online people. But it would probably be better for society if um, the internet somehow was...
2: You know, this year I was really good about platform. about not being online. Like I was not, I was completely offline for two months and then... I had, I had, when my tablet piece came out, I felt like, well, I had to promote this, right? And then you get sucked back in. You get sucked <laughs> back in right away. And then it's, it is awful. I mean, it's, yeah, you're living on these, in this disembodied realm.
1: I mean, it makes me want to go, like like, sometimes, like, reading this book, Program to Kill, right now, I'm like, God, I really should just, like go off the I should just like Kaczynski it right like I should just be like off the fucking grid yeah yeah. I should be like I should try to be like not engaging but I'm like it's 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 kind of unrealistic but I do have those thoughts I'm like I should be like no I should be like I I have no skills I'm a I'm a Person who moved to New York at twenty three to shop and do drugs, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I should, I should try to get away. Learn a Maybe journey. you should
2: move into a Catholic worker
1: <laughs> and just like yeah. garden. Get into get into woodworking. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Pipe yeah, yeah. layers union. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
2: I think, and then I think with COVID, like with online school, it became this idea that everything is better off if it's not in person, you know? Right. Whereas I feel like we at least got to grow up with the idea that in person was still better. Like that was still the norm, even if we didn't always adhere to it. But now it's like the official norm is just disembodiment.
1: My mother wouldn't let me not go to school if I was dying. Like literally like it was like, you are going like I would have to be like (laughs) in a coma. (laughs) to not be to not to not be allowed to go to school you know (laughs) yeah so anyway yeah it's ironic
0: yeah now you have if you have the sniffles it's like 10 days mandatory quarantine (laughs) yeah 15 days of masking when you come back and oh god (laughs) well what in chicago
2: were they uh Schools were probably closed for, for over a year at least, right? Like they were in, in San uh, Francisco.
0: Uh yeah, my kids are too young to be in school, so I, I wasn't totally up on it, but they were definitely they were out all of twenty twenty. They might have come back like fall twenty twenty one, like post Vax, maybe. Wow,
2: yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So and then or I mean maybe, yeah. And I've heard, I mean, this is anecdotal, but I've heard lots of stories of like teenagers, you know, schools over and then they develop an online trans identity. Uh, Because, I mean, it's connected, right? Like if you're not connected to your body, if you're not doing things in person, I think this sort of disembodied ideology is going to be more attractive hey,
0: definitely yeah hand in hand like the whole idea you can just customize your persona add you know this hair color this nose and whatever yeah
1: well it's very i mean i will say like i you know not that i've as a pointed out i haven't really done a great job of not mentioning this but like <laughs> As someone who works among kids, like social contagion is a hundred percent real. Anyone who says it's not is fucking retarded.
2: Yeah.
1: And like and like the you know, and like the schools are absolutely doing everything the conservatives are accusing them of. They're socially transitioning kids without telling the parents. They're putting them they're putting them yeah. into they're putting they're 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 putting them into rooms with social workers who are going to give them, you know, yeah. uh counseling on 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 their gender without telling parents all of that is happening it's 100% true anyone who says it's not true is lying 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 yeah yeah. it's true yeah it's happening and it's real um I would say at times in this in the schools I've worked in 50% of the kids are using they them pronouns 50% 50% 50%, 50% wow, at times. Wow. I am in I am in Manhattan, so I'm not gonna you know pretend that I'm in like and Can
2: I ask how old are these yeah, kids about?
1: 11, 12.
2: Wow. Wow.
1: So this anyone who claims that this isn't happening is lying. It's shocking, yeah. and it is happening. Yeah. Um it's it's it makes me feel like my defense that I often give to my side of Twitter, which is that. There are a small number of people who probably benefit from, uh, these interventions, it makes me feel like that defense is unimportant Mm -hmm. because the mass harm Mm -hmm. is so much greater than the defense of this tiny minority, you know? So I, yeah. It's, it's shocking, you know, like, and I don't know what to, I mean, do I think most of these kids are getting medical interventions? No. Sure. Um, I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that anywhere near the uh, very few. Right. It's a, yeah, it's a small
2: percent that actually get uh,
1: like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's an incredibly small number that actually get medical interventions, but. um, Even the hormones and stuff. I, yeah, yeah I, it's yeah. an incredibly it's an incredibly small percentage mm-hmm. that I think act- because you know ultimately like the truth is you know the idea that there's no puberty blockers and stuff being prescribed to kids is false. It is happening, um, but your parent you you can't you can't go at twelve. Into a hospital and say, "Give me puberty blockers." Your parent your your parents have to be very on board with it. Oh, but a yeah. A lot of parents well, well, are. A lot of parents of are. Parents, though. And yeah, that's, and that's and that's the scary part. A yeah. lot of parents. A lot of parents are. But yeah. your your kid, independent of you, cannot walk yeah, into a yeah, hospital no, at twelve no. years old and say, sure, "I would like no, puberty no. blockers, please." <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, sure. Well, that's the scary part is a lot of parents do buy into it's it. It's not just do. coming
2: from the schools. Honestly, like I have a, I have a friend. Well, I've seen the inside of parents of trans kids, Facebook groups, and there's so many parents transing their kids for the clout. It's a real thing. That's, that's totally, totally going on. Um. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's, to, it's totally true. And it's like, it's like you as a parent have to be very, I, I don't know, because the scariest thing which is a real terror is that now the s- states are intervening and saying if you don't support your kids we'll take your we'll take your kids from you. Um, and that's that is the next Vanguard.
2: That's really and, terrifying. And it, yeah, and like California yeah. and Minnesota are what are they like sanctuary states? Like, come here, and we'll give kids all the drugs. Like, they're basically incentivizing. They're like running a spay and neuter clinic for like runaway kids. It's, it's like also there.
1: it's also it, it's also terrible because as someone who's been involved in the foster care system, having your kids put in foster care is. Is horrific. I mean, like the mm. idea that that's a well-running, right? No, like well-oiled system with upstanding. It's, it's not at all people. It, and it, it's not. <laughs> it's like it's not. It's like it's like actually, it's actually not that hard to have your kids
0: like taken away by the state either. Like if they decide no. for some reason they want to, like basically
1: they can. You have to. They absolutely can. And, and that's know. and that's something. My you know my my dad my my dad has pretty young kids. I'm. Uh, he had like a first family and then a second family yeah, yeah. but that's something he's that's something he's talked about a lot is like he's like in America he he hasn't lived very much of his life in America but he's like in America it's like they can really take your kids mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't take a lot to take someone's kids away from them which is terrifying it's insane i mean like that should be so hard to do to take someone's children away. From well, them. and the I
2: institutions think. that are all there supposedly to protect children are pretty much like the, what's that? The Academy, American Academy of Pediatrics is oh, completely uh, captured by gender uh, nonsense, uh, the affirmative model, give kids, puberty blockers and so on. So, I mean, all the, I mean, I could see, you know, there are abusive parents um, and there might be situations where social workers should step in, but all these institutions now are captured by gender ideology, you know?
1: But they rarely, I mean, they, again, reading program to kill everyone. So I'm very black pilled right now, but they rarely, the social workers rarely get the people who Mm -hmm. are, are most horrific. Sure rarely rarely do they catch those people <laughs> you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you they usually they usually the, the most horrific abusers of killed children almost never get caught but yeah they'll, they'll they'll take i mean it seems like more and more they'll so anyway that's that's the final thing i'll say is like i do feel like my defense of like there's probably a small percentage of people who really benefit from these uh, is it sort of rings hollow when I think about the terror the terrifying idea that the state is gonna find like even more overreach to take people's kids from them than they already have, which I think is already very bad. I think most of the time like I don't even if you want my honest opinion, I don't even think your kids should be taken from you if you have a drug problem like I don't even that to me to me that's not an excuse to take your children away from you like you have to really prove the parent has like malicious intentions in my opinion to take it to take a child from a parent that that should be so sacred i don't know yeah i haven't thought about it a lot but i have i mean i agree that
0: like yeah there's sh- only in a very extreme circumstances
1: would warrant like having your children taken away from you extremely extreme in the sense that, like you are literally abusing your children in my opinion in my in my personal opinion Anyway, what? we are running over yeah. way over time. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, David, can you give us a few like uh, give us your ad? You uh, uh, plug some of your stuff. You can read David David and Tablet. He wrote an article called "The The Great Transitioning" um, by David Moulton. It came out March 9th, two thousand twenty three. That's how he came on our radar. Do you want to plug anything else, David, before we let you go?
2: Um, Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter, if you like, uh, at ComradeDoom1, which was unironic when it first came out because I was still a leftist
1: uh, (laughs) using the
2: comrade.
1: Well, it was nice talking with you. We'll definitely have you back at some point. Yeah, thanks for joining. All right, have a good night. Bye, guys. Bye.